It's good to see you back in church tonight. We'll be back in Mark chapter 14 tonight. Mark chapter 14. We're going to back up just a little bit from where we were this morning. and uh, this, We're going to look at the same concepts, essentially, that we looked at this morning. Uh, in the end, we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to analyze the same spiritual concepts we looked at this morning, but from a different perspective. This morning, we looked at these from the perspective of Jesus. And tonight, we're going to look at them in a different way, probably a way that you and I can relate to a little bit more. We're going to look at, look at it from the perspective of Peter. And so we'll be in Mark chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. Now, what's happened, they've just left the upper room. They finished the Last Supper. They're on the way to the Mount of Olives in verse 26. It says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell down on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately... Uh, as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and 
kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then all forsook him and fled. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body, and the young men laid hold of him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. But Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Jump down to verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you give us examples in your word of things you want us to follow. You give us examples of things to do, things not to do. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. You'd show us the lessons that you have for us tonight, that your word would flow into our hearts as we study together tonight. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt this is a familiar story uh, to all of us. Peter's denying Jesus. And I want to walk through it uh, real quickly. And uh, then we'll find a cautionary tale, I think, uh, for all of us as we uh, live our lives. So what we, well, the first thing I want to look at as we see there in the beginning of our text in Mark chapter 14 is, of course, the, Jesus and the disciples, they're walking along on their way to the garden, and, and you know they've just had this great Passover feast. Jesus has told them a lot as they were in the upper room about the fact he was going to go, that he was going to come again. They've asked some questions. He's told them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And they're singing a hymn. You know, it's got to be kind of an upbeat thing. When we're sitting here singing a hymn, we're singing those songs here just before the message, we're singing this morning, and I don't know about y'all, but me and Brother John Henry, we're upbeat when we're singing. I mean, you can't help but be, right? Love a good hymn. And no doubt, as Jesus and the disciples are walking along, they're in a good mood. And then Jesus says something that catches them totally off guard. As we saw there in our text, he says, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. And then he quotes the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah prophesied this some 520 years before these events happened. 
And Jesus quotes Zechariah and, and says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You've got to remember, these men, these 11 men, Judas is not there, remember, these 11 men who are walking with Jesus have left everything to follow him. They've left their homes, they've left their jobs, they've left their families. In some cases, you know, like, like Matthew, whose name was Levi, he was a tax collector. What a position, a prestigious position for him to have with the Roman government. Now, all his fellow countrymen hated him, but it is still a fairly prestigious position and a lucrative position. And he left it to follow Jesus. They've left everything to follow Jesus. And now Jesus tells them, hey, you know, tonight something's going to happen to me that's so bad all of you are going to run away. Peter says what nobody else will, and that's what he usually does, isn't it? He opens his mouth and he says there in verse 29, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus does what he usually does when Peter opens his mouth and he kind of puts him in his place. In verse 30, you see the words of Jesus. Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. Now, again, this is all things that I've been through recently uh, with the teenagers on Wednesday night, and I think it's, this is an interesting thing, so I'm going to share it with you too. I've always thought chicken, you know, when the rooster crows. I've been sitting around here listening to them before church started, Miss Nancy. And uh, we got good uh, representation of the rooster crowing. But as I was reading William Barclay, a Greek scholar, he has, he has a whole big couple pages about this there in the commentary I was reading. And he says, you know what? He doesn't believe it's a chicken. He says, in that day and age, that the, the night was from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and it was broken up into four watches, four three-hour watches in that 12-hour time span. Now, how did they tell time in that day? They couldn't look down at their wristwatch, right? Those hadn't been invented yet. Couldn't pull out their smartphone. Those weren't around yet either, right? How did they tell time? By the sun. What's not up at night? the sun. And so the, the, these, these four watches, the watchmen would be out, and they'd be assigned, you're on the first watch, you're on the second watch. Well, how do they know when to change shifts? There's a bugler, and that was his job. Every three hours, he sounds the bugle. And it was known as the rooster crow. Now, that started at 6 p.m., and now, if we go back and do our homework, we find out that it would have been about 6 p.m. when Jesus and the disciples had sat down to eat the Passover meal in the upper room. So a couple of rooster crows could have already gone by. A couple of three-hour shifts could have gone by by the time all of this takes place. Jesus says the rooster is going to crow twice. In other words, before morning, you're going to deny me three Times. We know how this all goes. Of course, Peter says, no, I won't, and we know how the rest of the story goes. We, we skip ahead and, and uh, to Jesus' arrest and trial there in, in, uh, down about verse 53. And, and uh, we, before we get to Jesus, I mean, before we get to Peter denying Jesus, this is an interesting part of the story to look at. Another part of, those, part of the story that's so familiar, we just probably breeze on by it. In verse 53, Jesus is led to the high priest. And in verse 54, it says Peter followed at a distance. 
right into the courtyard of the high priest. Now, what is so significant about that statement? What's significant is that so many times we read about Peter in this story, about Peter denying Jesus, about Peter only following from a distance, and he won't get close, and we think, how big of a coward Peter must have been. Boy, we really like to judge him from over here from our 21st century perspective, right? We're looking back on the story and what a coward he must have been. But I want you to think about what happened just before that. You see, what happened in the garden? We read the story here, and it tells us that one of those who was with Jesus picked up a sword and struck one of the servants of the high priest. We read over in John's account, and we find out it was Peter. Now, Mark is writing from Peter's perspective. It's believed that Peter gave Mark all the information that was needed to write this gospel account. So why didn't Peter include his own name in here? Well, Peter would have been a wanted man. Peter, they would have been after him, right? There would have been a bounty on his head. And it's very likely that at the time Mark pens this gospel, Peter may have still been wanted. By the time John writes his gospel last, Peter's probably already dead by that point, and moot point, and, and so John names him. says it was Peter that cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And then he has the nerve to walk right into the courtyard of the high priest. You say it's courage. We look at his, the perspective that he was a coward. I think it took a lot of courage to walk in there that evening. He was following Jesus, albeit from a distance. Everybody else fled. Peter's still there. And before we judge him too much, how often, how many times have we followed Jesus from a distance? We followed him just enough so we could say we're still following. But we stay far enough back that we can still do what we want to do without feeling too guilty about it. We shouldn't be too quick to judge Peter here, but we'll ahead to verse 66. This is where we find Peter denying Jesus. We won't read it all again. But we know from reading it a minute ago, you know because you already know the story that Jesus was right. He always was. He was right again this time. Peter denied Jesus three times. The rooster crowed twice, and Peter wept, it tells us. I want you to see something in Luke. Chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. One of those things I've breathed by a hundred times. Gave me chills. Still gives me chills thinking about this. Trying to get my pages unstuck. I didn't mark this one. Luke chapter 22. Jesus has... Peter's denied Jesus three times, verse 60, but Peter, this is the third time, Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed the second time. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. 
how he'd said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Can you picture it? Peter denies him for the third time, and Peter happens to look at Jesus standing in the midst where they're accusing him. They're hurling accusations at him. And at that very moment, I get chill bumps thinking about it. Jesus turns and looks at Peter. Makes eye contact with Peter. Here's just a little side note. Even when we think nobody else is looking, God's looking. Even when we think nobody else sees our sin, oh, I'll go ahead and do this because nobody will see it. Maybe what Peter thought. Jesus will never know if I deny him. And he turned and looked, and Jesus was looking at him. Ought to give us a little caution. So what's the spiritual application from the storyline we just looked at? We kind of went through that whole uh, Peter storyline pretty quickly, but what's the spiritual application? What's the things we don't want to miss? It's the same from this morning, but just a little bit different perspective. This morning, we looked at the silence of Jesus as he stood before the Sanhedrin and as he stood before Pilate. And we talked about how the silence of Jesus was an indication of the peace in his heart. Tonight, I want you to see that the lack of silence on Peter's part reveals a lack of peace in his soul. There's no doubt that Peter and the rest of the group were pretty anxious as Jesus is there in the upper room and as they're walking about on the way to the garden and he's telling them that his death is imminent. There's no doubt their anxiety is pretty high as Jesus is saying, something's going to happen tonight that's going to cause all of you to flee from me. Why do you think they were so anxious? I think maybe it's because they didn't really get what Jesus was saying. Remember this morning we talked about Jesus knew the end of the story? In chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus told them, these things, he says, but after I've been raised. See, he told them all this bad stuff's going to happen, but then he uses the phrase, but after I've been raised. In other words, everything's going to be okay. They didn't hear that part. Jesus had peace before he stood before the great Sanhedrin and before Pilate because he knew the end of the story. And I think one of Peter's problems is that he was too focused on the here and now to focus on the future. The here and now is going to depress us every single time. We don't have to look far around us to get depressed looking at the current situations of life. But as Christians, we claim the promise that he's got a hope and a future for us, that he's planned, and that the joys of heaven far outweigh the depressing nature of this life. I think Peter was too focused on the present situation. But remember this morning how we said Jesus' peace came from the fact that he was prayed up. Well, if you remember, you know, back in the beginning of our text for tonight, back in, in chapter 14, beginning in about verse 32, it talks about the praying there in the garden. And it says in verse 37, when Jesus came out from praying, he found the disciples sleeping. What did he told them? He told them, you stay here and pray. I'm going to go a little further and pray. And he came out and he found them sleeping. 
see what Jesus said there in verse 38. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. I don't know about yours. Jesus says it's all weak, so I'm going to say that yours is weak too, okay? Not me, it's Jesus, so don't get mad at me. Get mad at him. The flesh is weak. Peter wasn't prayed up. And when the troubled time, the, the times of trouble came, he hadn't been staying in constant contact with the Father. When trouble came, all that unnecessary worry caused him to do things and say things he really shouldn't have done. I say it's unnecessary worry. Because what did we say this morning? Paul said, what does praying do? It alleviates worry and anxiety, doesn't it? Staying, con staying in constant contact with the Father gave Jesus peace. And I'd submit to you it would have done the same thing for Peter, except he didn't stay prayed up. I think it's a good reminder for us to stay prayed up. One last thing. We've got to deal with that question. If we're going to deal with the same things from this morning, we've got to deal with that question. Pilate asked. Pilate asked the Sanhedrin officials, he said, what do you want me to do with this one whom you call king of the Jews? Let's look ahead to the end of the story. Turn to John chapter 21. In relation to Peter, how might we answer that story from Peter's perspective? What do we do with Jesus? We're not going to read this whole text because you know the story. This is the reconciliation of Peter. Remember Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? He told him to feed my sheep. And we get down to verse 18. John chapter 21, verse 18. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John. Don't you love that John's writing this, and he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who's the one that... And he said, Lord, who's the one that betrayed you? John asked that at the supper. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? You follow me. In other words, Peter turned around and said, what, about, what do you want John to do? And Jesus said, don't worry about John. Don't worry about any of the rest of them either. You follow me. So to answer the question that Pilate asked, what do I do with Jesus, if we look at it from the perspective of Peter, I believe that Peter would say, if we said, Peter, what do we do with Jesus? I think Peter would say, follow me. Based on what Jesus told Peter when he reconciled himself, uh, when they reconciled the two of them back together, he said, follow me. And I think it'd be the same answer for us, just Follow Jesus. It's like the old song. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back.
Is there anything before we go?